4: Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim Regatus, a pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times.
2: And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, our annual Thanksgiving turkey shoot with the most disappointing albums of the year and our holiday gift guide for your music-loving friends. Plus, we'll have reviews
4: of new albums by Jay-Z and Tom Waits. You're listening to Sound Opinions, now some music news.
3: Every time it rains.
2: That is the voice of the first great R&B singer of the modern era, Ruth Brown. Dead at the age of 78, she was living in Las Vegas, died of complications of a heart attack and a stroke that she suffered recently. Jim, a lot of people saw that Ray Charles movie a couple of years ago, and they thought, well, Ray Charles, he's the guy that put Atlantic Records on the map. He's the guy who really invented rhythm and blues. A lot of people thought, though, that R&B stood for Ruth Brown. Mm -hmm. She was the one who put rhythm and blues on the map. There was no female R&B singer that could touch her. Dinah Washington was her only true peer throughout the 50s. She had hit after hit for Atlantic Records, including that song, Teardrops From My Eyes. Uh, she also had Mama, He Treats Your Daughter Mean, Five, ten, fifteen hours, hit after hit. Finally, they ran out in the early 60s. The Beatles happened. The British invasion happened. Ruth Brown's career went backward. She had a period of uh, genuine destitution there where, you know, guess what? The record company wasn't paying her any royalties. Yeah, the same old story. It's a tragedy and largely forgotten today, uh, but not by us. She did make a comeback. We should point out, I mean, who can forget her role as Motormouth Mabel in uh, the John Waters movie Hairspray? (laughs) Anybody who saw that movie, Ruth Brown stole the movie. And then she went on to a career in uh, Broadway where she won a Tony Award for uh, the uh, Black and Blue production. So she did have a comeback in her later years and uh, ended up... Championing artists' rights and getting some of those royalties back from Atlantic Records, finally, she was one of the leading advocates for having these artists' uh, contracts honored by the record companies. And Atlantic, eventually in the late '80s, did fess up and start paying people like Ruth Brown their money. So a champion on two fronts, great R&B singer, and a, a champion for artists' rights and women's rights over the last half century. Ruth Brown, dead at the age of
3: 78.
4: You're listening to Sound Opinions. We're going to be shooting some Thanksgiving turkeys shortly, as well as giving <laughs> you a holiday gift guide. First, we have some album reviews, uh, Greg, and this one qualifies as a news story.
5: Let's go get them again, Joe. my God. Mom with a of Joy your boy, smack dab in the jungle took vision, but he would soon become a mogul, But first he bought that crack back like
4: the yo-yo don't... Jay-Z the is unretired. <laughs> that is Sean <laughs> what a Shock. Sean Carter, aka Jigga, aka Hova, aka <laughs> many other names I can't even keep track. That's a song called Oh My God, from Jay-Z's first album since 2003's The Black Album. The new record's called Kingdom Come. I got to say, this is one of the most hyped but least real retirements in the history of popular music. With much ado and uh, a concert at Madison Square Garden, he uh, bowed out of the music world, concluding that, uh, you know, 30 was too old to be a rapper. And besides, he had better things to do. Take Beyonce out and uh, count his millions, run his different corporations, run a label now. He's running Def Jam. And he bowed out, except for the fact that he did come back and do that Best of Both Worlds tour (laughs) and two albums with R. Kelly. But everybody's forgetting about that and saying, this is Jay's comeback. One of the great voices in hip-hop history. You know, a master of rhythm, a master of flow, a truly wonderful rapper. The content is something we can talk about in the review segment here uh, after we play a little of this new album because, man, he sounds great, but what does he have to say? Let's play a track called 30-something. You know, hip-hop has a lifespan of about five minutes. An artist puts out an album. If they're lucky, they have a second, and then they're confined to the dustbin of history. Jay, in this song, 30-something, is saying, 30 is the new 20, (laughs) Uh, which uh, me thinks he's... Protesting a bit much in the way that the Rolling Stones have ever since like the late seventies, you know. Sixties the new tour. We hate that. Yeah, well, you know, you you hear uh, Richards these days. Ah, jolly Hooker played until his eighties. <laughs> you know, why can't I? That's kind of what Jay Z is doing here at the ripe old age of thirty six. It's a track called 30 Something" from Jay Z's Kingdom Come.
5: International. Uh, show young boys how to do this thing. The maturation of Jay-Z. <laughs> Check me out. 30s, the new 20. I'm so hot still. Uh-huh. Better broad, better automobile. Uh-huh. Better yard, no, nah, better 100 mil. Then buy the songs and I'll probably start another trend. I know everything you want to do. I did all that by the age of 21. By 22, I had that brand new at Cool. I guess you could say that my legend just begun. I'm young enough to know the right car to buy, yet grown enough not to put rims on it. I got that 6 with curtain so you can't see me and I didn't even have to. Put tense on it. I don't got the bright watch. I got the right watch. I don't buy out the bar. I bought the night spot. I got the right stock. Ah. Uh. Got stockbrokers that's moving it like white tops I know you like fuck. This is child abuse called diapers I might just be getting nicer Young boys ain't ready for real 30's the new 20 I'm so hot still I used to still, pants ag, Not giving a fuck Bay boy, now I'm all grown up I used to cruise the used car lot, put chrome in the truck Bay boy, now I'm all grown up I used to play the block like that I used to carry knots like that, like that. Now I got black cards, good credit and such. because the new 20, I'm on fire still.
2: That is 30 something from the new Jay Z record, Kingdom Come. The worst retirement in history, as you said, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jay Z, in fact, has used those exact words to describe it. Yeah, I really didn't go away. I was always thinking about coming back. Uh, he's coming back for, you would think, because he has something urgent to say. I just had to get all this stuff off my chest. Yeah. And he sort of circles around a few topics. There's a uh, song about Hurricane Katrina. There's a song about his relationship with Beyoncé, which doesn't seem to be going as well as he would like on this record because he says that she's spending way too much time on her career. He can sort of understand it because she's only 23, and... You know, yeah, she should be obsessed with her career, but I wish she was more obsessed with me. So there's a little bit of introspection coming. Very in this record. little.
4: I mean, even the Katrina song is, mm-hmm.
2: is one verse basically. But Thirty Something is the key track on the record, as you said. It's a track that's basically saying, "Okay, I'm older, but I'm still a hustler. I'm still in touch with the streets. I still want to buy really expensive stuff. And now I'm the Donald Trump of hip hop, so I can buy that great stuff.
4: Well, now he knows enough not to put the gaudy rims on his new <laughs> yeah. luxury. Uh, that's actually <laughs> half a song. Talking about uh, how he doesn't muck up his new luxury automobile He turned to some of the best producers in in hip-hop Some of the top dollar names Dr. Dre, Kanye West, Pharrell Williams, Just Blaze They sound as uninspired as he does my problem with uh, Hova's career has been as he rose from the streets, he had less and less of interest to talk about. It was all about, I'm a great businessman. I'm a great businessman. I'm really rich. You know, now he's at the top of his game. He's not only in, in all the VIP lounges. He's in the corporate boardrooms. There's no challenge anymore. And to hear him say again and again and again, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, again and again and again, I'm rich, I'm uh, rich, rich, I'm, I'm rich, rich. I'm rich, yeah. I mean, who cares, you know? Have you got anything better? The grooves are, are kind of phoned in. but. Even worse, I, I really blame Jay Z because he's not talking about anything of interest to really anybody.
2: Yeah, I have to say this is probably Jay Z's worst record, and I'm I was really surprised by that because I thought you know it qualifies as one of our turkeys of the year. Jim, I think. Yes, this uh, is an early turkey. Shoot. You would expect Jay Z a guy with more money than just about everybody except God, could make any kind of record he wants, hire anyone money could buy, get the best beats in the world, and think up the best rhymes. And yet, he does seem incredibly bored on this record no, and
4: just just blaze who's a, a great producer actually has that one track where he's sampling cliche of all cliches in hip hop super freak by Rick James it's like hello MC Hammer is that even a comparison that Jay wants to make I mean cuz you know he's it's a fine line between
2: Hammer and Jay on this record it's really really disappointing and as you said when he was hustling on the streets and talking about making money there was sort of a, a an adventure to it like he hasn't got all this money yet but he's striving for it now yeah. and there was sort of this ambition of the guest. Hustler trying to make his way in the world now that he's got all this money it just sounds like he's rubbing it in our face yeah. and it's just not as interesting uh, anymore e-
4: even the track where he's telling us he loves his mom you know, he's done before I, mean, I gotta say, on the buy it, burn it, trash it rating scale at Sound Opinions, this is a trash it record
2: yeah, it's a huge disappointment um, I think Jay-Z's made some brilliant records in the past but this is a huge fall off for him it's a trash it record for me as well that could only be one man, only one voice like that in uh, current popular music. If you could call what Tom Waits does popular music, it is is Tom Waits music. That's the only way to describe it. That is Sea of Love, a cover, of course, uh, but Tom Waits does it his own special way. On a triple CD called Orphans, he divides it into three separate CDs, Brawlers, Ballers, and Bastards. This record began as sort of an excavation of the Waits archives over the last 25 years. Let's bring together uh, these sort of stray tracks from various projects. You know, one-off type soundtrack songs, uh, songs from tribute albums, songs from plays and theater projects that he'd been working on. So he gathered those together, and there was about two dozen of those songs. And he said, meanwhile, I'm working on all this other stuff in the studio, so let's throw those in here as well. He's got 30 new recordings on this <laughs> record, as well as the 24 strays from throughout his career. So what we end up with you know, is 54 uh, songs.
4: Greg Cott, as writers, both of us <laughs> will will champion the fact that we need editors. There is no such thing as a great writer who doesn't need an editor. Man, in the music world, I'm hard pressed to think of anybody who needs an editor more than Tom Waits.
2: All right, you're laying your cards on the table a little bit early, Jim. Let's play one of these 54 songs before we jump into our review of the new Tom Waits record. You gonna uh, give us a, a brawler, a bowler? Or a bastard <laughs> I am going to go with one of the ballers A ballad from Tom Waits Such as it is And it's a good one, in my opinion A song called World Keeps Turning One of the new songs from uh, this record Which includes 30 new songs In addition to the 24 oldies That he compiles here It's World Keeps Turning from Tom Waits From the new record Orphans On Sound Opinions
1: Someone else where you used to be The world don't care And yet it clings to me And the moon is gold and silvery Who knows where the sidewalk ends Or the road will turn and He marks the sparrows fall How can anyone
4: Tom Waits world keeps turning one of the bowlers on his new orphans set Greg I hate Tom Waits I used to love Tom Waits hate Tom Waits now and you know it and you did this to me as a torture thing and it's 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 just mean and cruel of you this is more Tom Waits than anybody needs I think he's betrayed his talent that is one of the better songs on this record back circus swordfish trombones when he was doing the boozy barroom ballads uh, y- you know there was melody and there was thought and there was not shtick the other two discs here, the Brawlers and the Bastards he's just, he's become this caricature of himself and it was a cartoon character to begin with that, that, that track you know, they're serving fish in the jailhouse fish in the jailhouse tonight for five minutes
1: serving fish in the jailhouse tonight alright look at you Fish in the jailhouse tonight. Alright. Oh boy. What's are fish in the jail house tonight. What's up fish in the jail house tonight? We're serving fish in the jail house. Fish in the jail house tonight.
4: It's rehashed Captain Beefheart. Fractured oh, blues, that's, art rock, that's with him doing this boho, silly. I'm this weird, eccentric, dangerous, dirty old man character. I, you know, this is way more Tom Waits than I ever want to get. In know, my the Beefheart
2: comparison is just an easy reach. I mean, there's a vague similarity in the way their vocals sound, but I think there's no similarities between that's them all at all. It's all about the rhythm. It's all about the fr- that fractured rhythm, that
4: syncopated rhythm, blues turned inside out and sent to Mars.
2: You know, there's a theatrical element of what. Uh, Waits is doing. He's creating characters and he's singing in those characters' voices. I mean, the way he uses his voice on this record is really remarkable. I think he's creating a different character for almost each song on this record. The dirty old uncle reading the bedtime story to his kids. And you've got this sad... 19 year old kid on the bus, you know, uh, looking outside the bus window and, and, and wondering where his life is going to go. I think the way he's able to create these little worlds in each of these songs is really unique and different. I mean, it's, it's not at all what Fart was doing. The sonics on this record are really interesting in that he creates, again, musicians and uses instruments that help him create these worlds. Dividing up the record into three categories like this is kind of a bold stroke on his part. There's a lot of music here, but to my mind, it, it not only is a summary of his career. I think it's it, it's one of the best things he's done in the last 20 years. You mentioned you, Swordfish just, Trombones. You're a groupie. I uh, think it's one of the best guy. records he's made. Yeah, he's. You I think, think it's he's as one good of his 1983 Swordfish I, Trombones. I think he's one of the standout artists of our time. I think these are great songs. I think at the heart of it, he's a great songwriter. Oh, is, was not a great songwriter. He was a great performer. He was a great musician. Waits he, he is was a, Wait, is much more. Wait, is a great songwriter. It's the whole theater thing kills me.
4: You know, let him, let him go to the theater. Let him keep it there for goodness sakes. Just a, I'm tired of your act, buddy. We've heard 17 dirty old uncle songs from him. I don't need another one. No, there are 17 dirty old uncle stories. Yeah, there are. The here. guys just There's put that. out, and he needs an editor. He needs an editor. You know, badly. This doesn't need his to be his wife, three Kathleen discs.
2: Brennan, is a great editor. I think. Uh, Never. She's, yeah. she's one of the. people people that have influenced you ever record. let Deb
4: Cod edit you i don't think it's not a good idea to be edited by your If wife. you can
2: make children together you can edit
4: songs I together come on uh, buy it burn it, trash it is the way we rate things greg i have no use for this record i have no use for tom wait's maybe someday when i'm old and boring and literary and yeah you know yeah, care about yeah. bus windows and all that stuff you're talking about i'll yeah i'll grow in with appreciation but i doubt it
2: well if, once you become adult let me know <laughs> and then you'll want to buy several copies of this tom wait's record for yourself
4: Coming up on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, it's our annual Turkey Shoot. The most disappointing albums of the year, paired with something more uplifting the holiday gift guide, stuffed by the music lover on your Christmas list.
5: Then do the turkey hop. Do the turkey hop. Boy, when you start, you don't want to stop. If you want to be slick, we'll grab a chick. Then do the turkey hop and never stop. You won't be blue if you learn to do turkey hop.
1: pull on to your chest, pull in your neck. And your knees will do the rest. Let's do
5: the turkey hop. Do the turkey hop. Or when you start, you won't want to stop. If you want to be slick, you will grab a chick. Then do the turkey hop. And never stop.
4: sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis. He's Greg Cott. This is our annual Thanksgiving turkey shoot. Greg, a brief explanation. These are not just lousy albums. These are lousy albums that we truly hoped and expected, <laughs> uh, had reason to believe would be very good albums. Because we hear a lot of disappointing music, and that's not unusual here on Sound Opinions. That's our job. We review it every week. But these are albums that, that, that
2: it still breaks our heart that they were as bad as they turned out to be. Indeed. I cannot tell you how much anticipation we have for the really bad albums. We just know. We can smell them a mile away. Yeah. But these are the albums we, we looked ahead to and said, you know what, this has got a chance to be really great. In fact, based on the track record of this particular artist, I'm thinking it could be one of the albums of the year. Yeah. Then you put yeah. it on and you go, what is this? It's a horrible record right from the start. It gets worse and worse every time you play. Well, we, and we don't want to torture people
4: unduly because some of these we've reviewed. So we're, we're just going to sample little bits and pieces of them until we build to our ultimate Turkey of the Year. We're in agreeance, as Fred Durst would say, <laughs> on, on the Turkey of the Year. A past
2: winner of the uh, Turkey of the Year Award, we shouldn't <laughs> Never did anything but Turkey. All right, what do you got? All right, I would have to say one of my biggest disappointments of the year was the solo record by Pharrell Williams, one half of the Neptunes. To my mind, the Neptunes were one of the most inventive production teams of the last five to ten years, not the least of which their work with Kalis. I mean, the work with uh, that artist alone, I think, qualified them as as serious contenders for some of the most inventive producers right up there with Timbaland in my mind in terms of being able to to consistently reinvent themselves and reinvent the artists that they work with so Pharrell goes on on his own and you can start to see the ego starting to creep in the Neptunes have started to sag off a little bit and you're kinda wondering what's going on there Pharrell is clearly itching to do a solo record okay he's gonna put all his energy into that thing it's gonna be really great He puts out this thing called In My Mind, and it is a turkey. I mean, it is a huge disappointment. We talked about Jay-Z sounding bored on his record. I'm wondering what Pharrell was up to. I mean, his head seemed to be in a different spot when he uh, made this record. He's all about these left turn beats and these heady melodies, and there's none of that here. There's all this turmoil supposedly underneath the surface. I don't hear any of it. I just hear a really mediocre or worse hip-hop record by an artist who i think has kind of completely lost the plot after a really promising stretch of hits
1: i must hurt your feelings your hit the you know I talk to you.
5: But the is it's not you know i got lots to do. So honey you with me when I get home And
2: Jim, I think a track that's a classic example of this is the track number one, where he's collaborating with Kanye West. When you see Pharrell Williams and Kanye West on a track together, you are thinking, man, this is going to be great. They're really going to challenge each other, really test each other. And then you're listening to number one, you go, "What?" It's a huge letdown, and I think it's symbolic of how this record uh, sets up expectations and then just one by one knocks them down. Yeah, yeah.
1: Conversations with my 13-year-old self. Conversations with my 13-year-old self. All
4: right, Craig, we're listening to my first turkey of the year. That is Alicia Moore, otherwise known as Pink. It is a track called Conversations with My (laughs) 13-Year-Old Self, which is a bombastic mini rock opera from her fourth album, I'm Not Dead. Now, some people would scoff and say, you know, what did you expect from Pink to begin with? But I will champion... Pinks first couple of albums she was the anti-Britney of the bubblegum pop world she you know courtney love attitude riot girl spirit to spare without the self destruction brains and Sex Appeal. She had it all, and she, she crafted some really great records. Stupid Girls, the first single from this disc, was, was going in a good direction because she was taking No Prisoners, taking on Britney and Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan and all those sex pod babes. And, you know, it's saying, look, girls, think for yourself. Don't be like this. Don't be a stupid girl. The rest of the album, unfortunately, all of a sudden she becomes Bono.
1: Dear Mr. President, were you a lonely boy? say no child is left behind we're not dumb and we're not blind, we're not blind. they're all sitting in your cells while you pave the road to hell
4: here mr president is a track that she's crafting with the indigo girls telling the bush administration what to do it's like like pink i think you're a little out of your league broke my heart this record i wanted to
1: like pink again <laughs>
2: That's a little bit of the uh, new metal band Tool from its latest record, 10,000 Days. And uh, it gives you an example of just how slow and sleepy <laughs> and dreamy... <laughs> Lasts about 10,000 days. Oh, wake me up when this review's over, Jim, okay, will you? I mean, 10,000 uh, Days, the new record from Tool, huge disappointment to me, because I think this had been one of the leading-edge metal bands of the last decade. Their last record, Lateral blew me away Mm -hmm. i think their drummer danny carey is just a genius and those 10 megaton riffs that the guitar player adam jones was coming up with they had this incredible sense of dynamics on their early stuff this record has no dynamics where did danny carey go where do those megaton riffs from Adam Jones go? It's all plotting. Uh, yeah, it's very plotting. It's a slow-moving record. It's very dreamscapey. Okay, they don't want to repeat themselves, but this is not at all what I was expecting from one of metal's best bands. I think it's much too dominated by the uh, vocalist Maynard James Keenan. Talking about his mother and talking about uh, 10,000 Days is essentially named after her long struggle with an illness, and he's elevating her to sainthood on this record. All well and good, but geez, did it have to be so ponderous? Really, a real disappointment from this really great metal band. I, I really hope they come back, but 10,000 Days is one of the huge disappointments of the year.
4: I'm going to stay on the metal tip, Greg, and talk about a band that continually lets me down, although it never has as much as on this record, Revelations. Audio Slave.
1: My city sleeps by the side of the freeway, the city scraps in the wintertime, she wore a yellow coat, now there's nothing on I I
4: I cannot understand how you have a group with so much talent, primarily in in the part of Tom Morello. Grew up in the Illinois suburbs, here Chicago suburbs. He is reinventing rock guitar. He has this arsenal of sounds that are part music concrete, you know, the sound of bulldozers and cement mixers, and part hip-hop, you know, the sound of turntables and scratching, mixed in with your classic metal riffing, Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. The guy's a genius, except he has no taste because he's continually putting great guitar parts into lousy, lousy songs, and never more so than... When he took the rhythm section of Rage Against the Machine, his old group, and linked up with Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, I gotta say it right here now: the grunge nostalgia thing is starting, and people are getting uh, wistful, thinking back about the night. You know, look, Soundgarden sucked. Oh, weepy-eyed Soundgarden about always sucked. Green River sucked. <laughs> they were bad. They were not good. Soundgarden's a lousy band. Cornell is a ham dog. Oh, come on. Uh, they, they, were, they, were, they were. They were not lousy. They were bad. They were a bad band. And he's just, you know, Black Hole Sun's a bad
2: song. Come on. Well, except, except
4: for Black Hole. I come like on. Black Hole Sun. All right, except for Black Hole. Son, <laughs> they were a bad band, <laughs> no. uh, but anyway, look, you got to even admit, even if you like them, he's been so lousy in audio slave that he's tarnished anything he ever did before, especially on songs like Original Fire. <laughs> he's got the original fire inside, he's excited, he's full of fire, he's ready to riot, he's gonna riot. He said, Riot and Fire are like repeated about 17,000 times on this record, and it's like. No way. Who are you kidding? You can well, sit, you can
2: croon those words all you want, but there ain't no fire, and ain't no riot. The way I look at it with this band, Jim, is Cornell was a great fit for Soundgarden, that slow, sludgy sound. Rage Against the Machine had the perfect vocalist for them, sort of that swinging rap rock thing that they were doing. You put those two together, they shouldn't go together. They no. don't belong together, and it's clear from this record. I think you're right. I think they wore out their welcome with it. Bad record. All right, Jim. At least Audio Slave though has a little bit of punch. At least they're trying to rock out. The record that is a huge turkey for me this year, and you may scoff. Why would you anticipate this record at all? Was the David Gilmour solo record? You on see, why Island.
4: would you think that, that that a solo album from a guy in Pink Floyd, twenty-five years past their best, would be worth anything?
2: Well, here's here's what I think. Gilmour seems to be in a great place. Headwise, he's very up. He's talking about with with great deal of optimism about music again. We just came off this reunion of the four core members of the classic 70s Pink Floyd lineup at Live 8 last year and I'm thinking okay there's some energy back in this group there's some potential that maybe they get back together again certainly Gilmore needs Roger Waters as a lyricist and that collaboration could be magical. Instead Gilmore gives us this record. Okay, I don't really need waters. I'm going to do my own solo thing. It's going to be really great, right? Uh, no way. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. You're right. Husband and wife collaborations sometimes don't work. Yeah. And here's the proof. David Gilmore co-writing with his wife, Polly Sampson. She's giving Gilmore these Hallmark cards to sing. He's writing these drizzly, gray, rainy day kind of guitar parts over the top of them.
1: Shameless.
2: This album is a snooze, and it's really disappointing because Gilmore's out there on the road with a band that includes at least one Pink Floyd member.
4: And Phil Manzanero, and, and, Roxy Music.
2: And Roger Waters is out there on the road with a band that includes one, one Pink yeah. Floyd member. So i got to say, these guys collectively, they're the turkeys of the year. Get together, guys. We need the four core Pink Floyd members back together again. Instead of doing these separate tours, writing this lame music, make a real album again. That's what I'd like for Christmas.
4: that is an outtake from Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, except it was recorded by The Killers this year on a record called Sam's Town. It's called The River is Wild. Could you have a more Springsteen-esque title? All right. My expectations weren't that high. This was a band of modest pleasures. On their first five times platinum album, Hot Fuss, The Killers came out of Las Vegas. You know, they were yet another band in the line of groups imitating the 80s mope pop post-punk, new wave of new wave sound of Cure and The Smiths and all that. Uh, they were good. They they had some some hooks. They had some glam yeah. rock in the mix. Man, with Samstown, they read all the hype, all the press, and believed it, and made this work of art where it's a you know a tour of the dark underbelly of Las Vegas. Samstown is the name of a casino, and and it's got all this Kerouac Springsteen kind <laughs> of let me tell you about the working class, the underbelly, the dark side of life, and what a load of hooey because this guy Brandon Flowers, who is the main singer and songwriter and sometimes keyboardist, He is trying for this kind of beat persona and instead he comes off like kyle mclaughlin in showgirls (laughs) i cannot take this guy seriously he is so sleazy so egotistical such a cartoon character not even the production of alan Mulder and flood who have crafted some of the most amazing sounding albums of the last two decades ride my bloody valentine
2: the smashing pumpkins nothing could save this this is a a killer turkey yeah you're right roxy music wannabes turning into bruce springsteen wannabes that's not a good trade just didn't work out. But, Jim, you and I have talked about this. There is clearly one standout. We are now going to go for our mutual Turkey of the Year. Turkey of the Year, And I don't think there was a whole lot of argument about it this year. In, In past years, we have sort of debated this. Yeah. This time, I don't think there was much argument. We are talking about a group here that I think, for both of us, has produced some of the best albums of the last 10 years. I can't think of a single record of theirs in the past that I would dismiss. But, man... An 80-pound turkey. That's what they dropped on us this year. Enough to feed the entire neighborhood. Oh, my God. It's... Idlewild. Unbelievable. Outcast is the group we're talking about, folks. The Atlanta duo of Andre Benjamin and Antoine Big Boy Patton. They have consistently made great music through the years. Six albums in a row that I think are terrific. The seventh album, an absolute turkey. Two months out from this record, they were talking about this 30s period prohibition era soundtrack for a movie that they were making, it sounded like a dubious concept. How are they going to wedge hip-hop into prohibition era music? And I thought, boy, if they can pull this off, they're going to be geniuses. Could have been great. And they didn't pull it off. No. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Andre 3000, trying to sing like Cab Calloway, is not my idea of what this group should be doing. <laughs> I think Antoine is the hip-hop center of this group. He has some nice moments on this record, but it's Andre Benjamin who has lost the plot. I think Andre, after the success that they've had over the last decade, thinks he can do just about anything. Well, I think he hit the glass ceiling. This is a total failure. Oh, no, this and is up it's there. it's one of the most disappointing records of the last several years, not only yeah, this, no, this year. Yeah, no,
4: this is up there with, like, the Bee Gees remake of Sgt. Pepper's. <laughs> in, in terms of hubris and complete and utter failure and just a bad idea from the get-go, poorly executed. It's a heartbreaker to say because they are a great group. They were a great group. They don't really seem to be much of a group anymore at all. They just seem to be this name. And uh, I don't know. We were expecting better. Once again, we've had our hearts broken by popular music. <laughs> Uh, But you know, Greg, if we couldn't care
2: and cry and plead and feel <laughs> that it would be time not to do this anymore. Exactly. So, uh, Thanksgiving's <laughs> over, finally. We have sated ourselves on some really, really bad music. It's time to play some good stuff, though, Jim, huh? Come on. It is. It's time for our uh, holiday season,
4: winter solstice, uh, time of the year, <laughs> gift guide. Whatever the occasion, just give somebody you love some good music. We're going to give you some ideas. I want to inject, though, Mr. Cott, if you disagreed with anything we said in the, uh, well, in any show, in this show, any show, or you just want to Tell us you love us, doesn't matter. We are always happy to hear from you at interact at soundopinions.org. Or better yet, we're going to be starting a feedback segment where you can rant on the air just like we do. So call and leave us a voicemail message 1 888 859 1800. We'll be right back on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.
1: Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa!
3: Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him.
2: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cotta of the Chicago Tribune. He's Jim DeRogatis of the Chicago Sun-Times. It is time for us to give you some gift-giving guides for the holidays. These are some recommendations we have for your music-loving friends. We're each going to go... With some ideas, Jim, what do you got? Yeah,
4: that's true. Well, you know, Greg, the uh, CD box set bonanza of 10, 15 years ago has been dwindling because the record companies have pretty much uh, mined their vaults of everything and anything you would think. And also because, you know, hey, most people today want to just download the music into their iPods. But you cannot wrap an MP3 track and put it under the Christmas tree or whatever your holiday uh, occasion is. Uh, it's just too darn hard. There is still a need for some cool box sets, and uh, I'm going to focus on those tonight. I don't know what else you've got under your gift guide. The first I'm going to talk about is a new box by The Clash. This is not one of those overview career retrospective box sets. It's a very particular Uber record collector geek <laughs> box set. It's called The Singles. What it is, is all 19 original British singles released by what was once happy to proclaim itself the only rock and roll band that matters, replicated in their original 45 sleeves, little mini CD <laughs> versions of what the original British punk singles, when you would buy them at Bleaker Bob's in New York on import. Yeah, that's really cool. As I did. Now, now. Some people would be annoyed by this because, let's face it, there's the A side and the B side. Sometimes there's one or two extra tracks, a a demo version or an alternate mix. But there's only like three or four songs on each CD. And after 19 times, you got to get up and go replace the CD (laughs) in the changer. I don't care. This thing is well packaged. It's it's well annotated. There's a cool booklet. Those sleeves are killer. I mean, I would just like to frame them all, put them on my wall. I'm just happy I own this. It yeah, makes the me artwork. So- if I got this for Christmas, I'd be thrilled. This uh, this is the you know the first single by the Clash. It's White Riot. I think uh, if you do burn all these to one disc or put them in your iPod, you are going to have one of the all time great punk rock primers and one of the best greatest hit sets ever. Second only perhaps, and this is maybe my my. Uh, the fact that I'm an American not a Brit second only to ramones mania is the clash white riot
2: White Riot by The Clash on my gift list is the Singles Box. Well, I notice, you know, we're going for the expensive stuff here, Jim, and I uh, I, I think that's well, kind you're, of a you're worth it, Greg. good way to go. Yeah, thank you. I, if you could give me The Clash Singles set, that would be pretty cool. And I, too, am going to gravitate toward boxes. I, th- I think these are just, you know, it shows you care. You know, it's not just a single <laughs> CD. It's not just a burn of a bunch of MP3 files. A well-done box set. There's nothing more thrilling. Mm-hmm. I get to see that mm-hmm. open up that gift box and say, wow, There's some really cool stuff in here. I think one of the most well-done box sets of recent years is this What It Is Funky Soul and Rare Grooves box set, which basically talks about obscure 60s and 70s funk and soul. We just had DJ Shadow on the show a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about going through the crates and and looking for this obscure these obscure songs for these classic breakbeats that he can incorporate into modern day hip hop songs mm-hmm. and totally blow people's minds with them. This is the source material for a good bunch of the hip hop of the last 20 30 years. There's some name artists on this uh, box set. Curtis Mayfield's on here, Wilson Pickett, Little Richard. But they're not represented by their biggest hits. They're inevitably represented by some obscure, deep album cut or a B-side. And even better, by far dominated here by little-known acts like the Stovall Sisters. I mean, who are the Stovall Sisters? You know, they're this gospel group from the late 60s, early 70s who recorded for reprise. They've got an amazing track on here called Hang On In There that just blew my mind. There's this um, cousin of Ravi Shankar, Ananda Shankar, who did this acid Raga version of the Rolling Stones' Jumpin' Jack Flash, and you go, wow, that is really cool. Yeah. Uh, this is the epitome of deep funk. Any DJ, anybody who's a baby boomer would probably have missed most of these tracks as they weren't around back then, but they're the equal, in many cases, of the classic tracks by people like Aretha Franklin and Otis Redding and Marvin Gaye. I knew you'd Marvin be all Gay. over this. It actually looks like you on the cover there, that, yeah. that character well, with I, the afro. The guy's got a fro just a like I had in college, in college. Yeah. Yeah. I just need the sunglasses, I, don't, I still don't look that cool, I wish I could. It is It is classic, classic stuff. The track I'm going to play is uh, one called Gossip. It's uh, credited to Cyril Neville, but Cyril, who is uh, of course the, uh, a of the member of the, the Neville brothers, brothers. Yeah. yes. His older brother, Art, was in a little old band called The Meters from New Orleans, and they are clearly backing him up on this track called "Gossip on Sound um, The People
5: tell me that you're
1: messing up on me. The people tell me that I'm much too blind to see. But I already believe in what the people say.
2: Gossip from this fantastic box set. Somebody give this to me for Christmas. I need an extra copy. <laughs> you already got it. What it is. Funky Soul and Rare Grooves. Oh, uh, that's a good one,
4: Greg. But I seeded it to you knowing you would uh, you would be talking about it. Uh, this one I see in your stack, but I'm going to jump on it first. Rockin' Bones, 1950s punk and rockabilly. This is the second time Rhino Records, who are, uh, of course, the champion compilation makers in the box set world, uh, second time they've gone back to that 1950s period, trying to make the argument that rockabilly and the roots of punk and all that is raw and ragged and wonderful and lustful about rock and roll Came in the fifties, and and yet we have uh, largely sanitized, declawed, defanged that music in the decades since. You know, I mean, Elvis Presley was once frightening, as well <laughs> as as sexy and inspiring and amazing, and so were all of his peers. And yet, fifties rock, as it comes to us today in popular culture, is just—it's beyond. It's like the soundtrack for commercials and just the, the worst you know it's got no guts no glory and it used to send politicians into paroxysms <laughs> of, of panic you know there's going to be juvenile delinquents and, and rioting in the streets and uh, you listen to the music and that it still has that energy except that we don't hear the good stuff so the other uh, attempt a couple of years ago was called loud fast and out of control and that's a great box set I think rock and bones is almost as good what it does is take your 50s gods Elvis Presley Carl Perkins Buddy Holly Jerry Lee Lewis and so on and put them in the company of people that were their peers and on the charts at the same time who are long since forgotten at least by by baby boomers and us Generation Xers and, and certainly Gen Y. I'm talking names like Bob Lumen and Wanda Jackson <laughs> and Freddie and the Hitchhikers. But you, you hear them in context, and it's all just revolutionary. You, where did these people come from? These were the people from the backwoods and the country and coming up from the south, and they just there's country in there, and there's rock and roll, and there's R&B, and there's rockabillies. It's this explosion of energy. I'm going to play a track called Action Packed by this guy Ronnie D, a.k.a. Ronnie Dawson. And it's just killer. It's an example of the 100-some-odd songs on here, and they're all wonderful.
3: Give me the downbeat, Mastro. I want to let on the line. Because everything I do, I want to do it in double time. When I take a ride in my car, I let it roll. Hear me? I said let it roll. I like to feel that wind in my face, nice and cold. If you chicks are timid, you just better turn back. Because when I take a ride in my car, it's got to be action back in back.
4: Oh, yeah, that's Ronnie D., better known to his mom as Ronnie Dawson. Uh, it was just a late teen, you know, capturing the joy of his first car in action-packed. Uh, died in 2003. Greg was great on tour. Up until that point, he's remembered on Rock and Bones, 1950s Punk and Rockabilly, that new box set from Rhino.
2: The roots of alternative country are right there, man. It's hillbillies with electric guitars. Yeah. I mean, it's a first time. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. like a, it's a great idea. A lot Whatever happened to that Love stuff? Love it. Great choice, Jim. Uh, We're in the midst of a gift guide for the holidays, some uh, excellent music for your music-loving friends that we can suggest to you. I'm going to stay in the 50s with you, Jim. Uh, A peer of a lot of those uh, wild men who sang about booze and amphetamines and girls and fast Fast cars, cars. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis knew all of the above intimately. He was imbibing in all of those at uh, various points in his life, sometimes simultaneously. (laughs) Everybody knows about his 50s hits with Sam Phillips in Sun Studios, and, and those have been well documented. But a half century of hits is exactly what it says. It's a box set that is the first comprehensive look at Jerry Lee Lewis's career. And a lot of people may not be aware of, well, what did this guy do after he did Great Balls of Fire and a whole lot of shaking going on? But uh, a lot of people may not realize that an equally impressive career in the 60s and early 70s sort of morphing into this very credible country act. And I mean, hardcore country act. I mean, we're not talking about uh, a precursor of the Haddacks of the 90s. We are talking about a peer of Hank Williams, because not only was he a peer of people like Elvis Presley, he came up right around the same time as Hank Williams. Just as yeah. Hank Williams yeah. was uh, was leaving this earth, Jerry Lee Lewis was, was starting to record, and he was clearly influenced by that Appalachian country sound, and you can hear it in his 60s recordings. He made some remarkable live recordings during that period, especially in Europe, and some of those are on this disc. Those are the ones I especially like. And... His comeback efforts in the 80s and 90s, while very sporadic, there's some great stuff there as well. He would get in the studio with people like Bones Howe, people who really understood him, and there's a sprinkling of these on the third disc of this three-disc set. So the best career overview of one of the giants of rock and roll, and uh, I'm going to gravitate towards one of the live tracks on here because you can really hear the energy of the killer, as, Mm -hmm. as they called him, in front of a live audience. He loved the show. He loved the audience being there right in his face. I saw him at a show at the Cubby Bear when the audience was sort of just lined up right in his face. This is a small club in Chicago. He just rose to the occasion. He loved that audience screaming at him, and he, he would get more intense. and yeah, kicking
4: over the piano stool.
2: And, and it was a shtick. Kicking over the stool was a bit of a shtick. But the frenzy with which he would turn that piano, those 88 keys, into an orchestra of sound was just remarkable to watch and the hairs flying mm-hmm. and he you know he's got that leer on his face and he's talking you know he's personalizing every song in a way that few artists could. Here's his version of High Heel Sneakers. It's from this remarkable box set, Jerry Lee Lewis on Sound things.
3: and not gonna knock on
4: Jerry Lee Lewis, high heel sneakers. That was uh, Greg's recommendation. That new Jerry Lee Lewis box set. I'm gonna I'm gonna add a uh, companion to that, Greg. If you buy that box set for somebody, and you go out and you buy Hellfire, the Jerry Lee Lewis story by Nick Toshes, yeah. which is one of the greatest books in the history of rock and roll, one of the best biographies I've ever read. Period of anyone. Boy, those two things under that. That's. Yeah. You're in. You're in with yeah. whoever you gave that gift to. Yeah,
2: Lewis doesn't get enough credit for the role he played in uh, in early rock and roll, and I think this kind of makes the case as well as Tasha's book. You can't yeah. get can't get better than that for holiday gift giving.
4: Well, we only have time for one more uh, gift, but I'm going to cede it to you because a I'm intrigued by what you have in front of you there, and b I got to play the Incredible String Band's Minotaur song last week, so yeah, it's only- <laughs> we're going to make. It I've pay. had enough indulgence.
2: <laughs> we're going to make it pay for that, Jim. But you and I are both on record as uh, most of this music we've reviewed at some point on Sound yes. Opinions. We've talked about this many a times. What it is is basically a 12-CD guide to the early days of hip-hop, the golden age of hip-hop. It's the Tommy Boy Presents Hip-Hop Essentials, 1979 to 1991, 12 CDs, all the greatest hits of hip-hop in that first era. Well, not all of them, but certainly a lot of the significant ones. And to my mind... it goes back to an era and obviously there's the the political end of hip-hop in there you can't avoid it with people like Grandmaster Flash and The Message and NWA blank the police but what it really says to me is how much fun early hip-hop was yeah I mean these guys were having a ball basically inventing an art form taking bits and pieces of of old records that they loved and and inventing stuff over the top of it and it was just wonderful to listen to there was a freshness and an innocence there that obviously you know hip-hop is lost in, in, in the in last few years you know we've got people like jay-z talking about how much money they made it's all because none of these guys had any money back uh, then you know, the formula know? is set much of this set is is about a time when there were no rules in hip-hop and that was what was exciting so the first volume alone you, you're looking at uh, people like salt and pepper with tramp you're looking at the sugar hill gang with rappers delight which really put hip hop on the map yeah. as a recording medium Too Short with The Ghetto I mean, you're all over the place The Beastie Boys, early Beastie Boys with Hey Ladies Boogie Down Productions, which was KRS-One's first group With South Bronx Uh, But the track I want to gravitate toward Is Doug E. Fresh with Lottie Dottie Oh, Uh, yeah Doug E. Fresh, The Human Beatbox Man making percussive sounds with his mouth (laughs) You know, it's fascinating for live audiences to see this but on this track, we also hear the voice of Slick Rick, who is one of the great comics in hip-hop history. The man was just hilarious, and over the over the human beatboxing of Dougie Fresh, really made a name for himself with this particular track. So let's hear it from the Tommy Boy Presents Hip Hop Essentials. On Sound
3: As we go a little something like this, hit it. You know what? La-di-da-di, la Lordy, You know what? Your pith is Lottie Dottie. We like the party. We don't cause trouble. We don't bother nobody. We're just some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic. What? For all of y'all, keeping y'all in health Just to see you smile and enjoy yourself Cause it's cool when you cause a cozy, cozy condition And uh, that we create, cause that's our mission So listen uh, to what we say Because this type of shit happens every day I woke up around 10 o'clock in the morning I gave myself a stretcher, a morning yawning Went to the bathroom to wash up Had some soap on my face, and my hand upon a cup I said, um, Mara Mara on the wall Who is the top choice? Of them all There was a rumble-dumble Five minutes It lasted The mayor said You are you conceited bastard
2: (laughs) All right, that concludes our gift-giving guide for the the year. That is Dougie Fresh, Lottie Dottie, uh, from the Hip Hop Essentials 12-volume set on Tommy Boy. Man, would I be happy to see that under my (laughs) Christmas tree this year. I know Jim would as well.
4: I would indeed, Greg. And there's other stuff we want to recommend for the holiday gift-giving season, musically
2: related. We're going to have those listed on the website, soundopinions.org. Next week, we've got Andy Summers in the show. Andy Summers, the former guitarist in The Police with a great autobiography. One of the best in recent years where he lays it all on the line, talks about Sting, talks about life in The Police, and terrific interview with Mr. Summers. I think he was very frank and open about uh, what life in The Police was really like. And we'll have reviews,
4: Greg, of the new albums by The Deftones and The Clips. Got some people to thank on the way out. Sound Opinions has been produced by Todd Bachman, Matt Spiegel, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn. Greg, as you know. We get some technical help from Joe Dessau, some legal assistance from Dino Armiros, Tori Southside-Malatia is our executive producer and fearless leader, and Jim Russell is the man in American Public Media. What are you getting in for Christmas? He's got to have
2: this Funk box, man. What it is!